Last month, I came across an article by BlackEnterprise.com, and the title of the article reads, Gerald Moore Sr., Committed to Preparing Black Boys for Career in STEM, written by Alfred Edmund Jr. And it goes on to talk about a cybersecurity engineer, entrepreneur, and author, founder, Gerald Moore Online Technology School for Black Boys. And it, it begins to outline all the great work that is going on in our community to prepare the next generation of black boys for the future within our communities and within technology. And so we reached out to Gerald and we've been blessed enough and honored to have him on the show today to continue this conversation and let our audience get a peek into the vision he has over the next five to 10 years. So sit back, enjoy, and listen to this episode as we try to figure out how much money is in STEM. I'm DJ Motru with the Black Equity Network. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Welcome to another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, we've seen so many people talking about increasing the awareness and the education for STEM. And I've seen a lot uh, of focus towards one particular side. But this is the first time I've actually seen someone take the time out to focus on uh, young Black boys or, or boys in general. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. We have Gerald A. Moore Sr. He is the founder of Online Technology School for Black Boys. Uh, Gerald, are you there? Yes, yes. Pleasure to speak with you this morning. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. I'm excited about this conversation. For those who don't know you, introduce yourself and your company. I am Gerald A. Moore Sr. And I have two companies. I have the Online Tech School for Black Boys. And I just launched a nonprofit called Mission Fulfilled 2030 in support of the online tech school. Awesome. So let's let's dive into the tech school. Tell us more about the tech school. How did this happen? How long have you been in operations? I know people have been uh, commenting. I know you had a feature within BlackEnterprise.com. So tell us about the school and what the mission is and how it all started. Um, I have to take you back to my story a little bit on how okay. it all started. Um, I'm a cybersecurity engineer, and I was not a great student. Actually, I was a D student coming out of high school, and probably, well, definitely not because I was absolutely a bad student, but up until through high school, until I got to college, I never had a Black man instructor, period. Not in elementary school, not in high school, not until I got to college and I was able to go to an HBCU that I had black male instructors. Now, coming through high school, I was told that I was always interested in engineering and tech, and I did it on my own. I read a lot on my own. I did a lot of building on my own. But coming through high school, I was told that I couldn't be an engineer. I couldn't be or do anything in tech. So I learned on my own. So what I realized is once I got in the field that Black men make up less than 5% of the 
of the STEM and high-tech wow. workforce. And there's a reason for that, right? It's systemically built in. Like typically someone like me wouldn't have had the opportunity to get a degree in computer science, to get a degree in engineering, or to get a degree in any of the STEM fields because you wouldn't be accepted until any of the universities that offer that, right? So our numbers are always going to stay low because in our underdeprived neighborhoods or our disadvantaged neighborhoods and schools, we're never going to have an abundance of, of young black males who are taking AP courses or taking pre-calculus in high school. So they'll never be accepted into these programs. So because we don't have, we won't be accepted into their mainstream programs, I had to look back into where I started and said, I really got into tech when I was about 10 to 12 mm -hmm. years old. And my mother told me every piece of electronic equipment that I had, I had to open it up. I had to open it up and see what was inside it. So it was in something that was innate within me that got me started. But education-wise, there was nothing there. So I decided um, there's, there's a few more layers to the story with like my kind of my first experience with sure. racism in sure. the tech world. But that's kind of what got me started. And then when being in the industry for 20 years, I haven't seen the numbers increase in, in regards to black males coming through the industry. So in 20 years, I've worked in the federal government sector um, as an engineer on the IT side. I can only say that I have had influence with maybe five, five to seven young black males that have come across my path that I've been able to work with and help them along. So I was like, all right, something's wrong with this picture. And having always worked with youth and having an older son and coaching his teams, I would always add that tech influence that I had into sport, trying to get them to understand that STEM is actually sports. Everything that surrounds sports mm. is STEM. Break that down for me. Break that and down. That, so if you take in, in basketball, right? If you're making an angle, if you're making a V cut, right? I can say from math class, I need you to take an acute right. angle. But what's an acute angle, Coach Moore? Well, you learn that in math class. Well, this is what it is. So I started adding tech terminology and how I coach sport and mathematics and, and teaching calculus in sport. Um, I actually taught middle school when I, when I, all right, DJ, this is going to be a long story, but I'm going to take you back. I graduated from Norfolk State University with a degree in electronics engineering technology. Over the summers, I worked for an electronics company, and they promised me that they would hire me upon graduation, upon which they did. I worked with two other white males as my counterparts, and we went through the program together. I got to know them over the summers quite well. And when we graduated, they offered us jobs. We had to take an engineering aptitude test to see where they would place us in the company. So I take the test, I, I get my, my offer letter, and they were going to make me a senior technician, which I was happy with, right? When I went out to lunch to celebrate our placements in the company, Talking to my white male counterparts, we start talking about the aptitude test. Well, mm -hmm. I scored 20 points higher than both of those guys, my white counterparts on the aptitude test. They became junior engineers and I became a technician. The problem with that is, one, I scored higher than them. Two, as junior engineers, they were going to make start off their careers at $10,000 more mm. than me. To become a junior engineer, I would have had to do two years as a technician. So over that time, now their salaries further increase right. more than me. So what I did right after that lunch, I took my offer letter, I wrote my resignation letter, and I resigned mm. immediately. I, uh, my project manager said, you know, they're, they're trying to meet their diversity quota, right? So right. I'm the only Black male 
in their engineering department coming through. So he says to me, Gerald, we can make this right. Well, one, I was, of course, I wasn't supposed to know what they scored, right? But they didn't, those, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't on white code, so they right. didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know they weren't supposed to speak on it, right? So I come back the next day. He, he said, I'm not going to accept your resignation today. Just come back tomorrow. I'm going to work on this and try and make it right. So he comes back to next day and he adjusts the salary. And he says, okay, you're still going to be a senior technician and I'll adjust the salary. And I said, okay, that's fine. But what are you going to do about the scale? Because I had already looked at everything that they had as far as the career path in that company. And after five years, Again, they would have been $10,000 ahead of me because they are all engineers. So if he wasn't going to make me an engineer, I wasn't going to accept the offer and they weren't willing to make me an engineer. So I resigned. It just so happened. I went to a vocational high school where I studied electronics for four years under a very bad instructor who gave me a D every quarter. (laughs) Right. That guy who gave me a D every quarter the next week after I resigned, had a heart attack. The athletic director at the school said, Gerald, your old instructor had a heart attack. I want you to come teach electronics at the school because you're the perfect candidate because you understand these kids because you, I don't know, she, she always would tell me, I don't know how you went from a D student to being an honor roll engineer. I don't know how you did that but you absolutely know what these kids are going through more than him. And I actually, uh, because I was an engineer, I was able to go into vocational school and actually teach electronics. And all I really had to do was get a vocational education certification, which I did. Um, And I taught electronics and technology at the middle school and high school for three years. So that's what actually got me into the education space. Awesome. Go ahead. One, yeah. Yeah. So once I did that, I saw, and this is in Rochester, New York, where I'm from. Rochester, New York is my hometown. I live in the DC metro area mm-hmm. today. So I taught electronics at the high school level, and then I taught technology at the middle school level. When I was teaching on at the middle school level, I'm 23, 24 years old, and in Rochester, New York, we are definitely at a deficit for male role right. models. So the young girls at that age group are going crazy. So I would have to separate my classroom and teach the girls because you have to talk to them. You can't, there's a certain way you can talk to them in front of boys that you can't talk to them in the, in the presence of right, young right. males. So I, I learned to teach and teach technology. And then uh, my fiance at the time got into Georgetown law and we had to leave Rochester. So I got back into engineering and stayed that course for the last 20 years. And I always knew I wanted to get back to education mm-hmm. and, and work with our people but it was how I did it. And in the school systems, I can't deliver the message I want to deliver. I can't deliver that black male message in the school system. So that's why I decided to launch my own online school. So at at what point did you decide, or what year are we talking about where you decide I'm going to launch the online school and take it away from the actual educational system that's already in place? Um, so last year I I had the, I had the idea for a long time last year, I decided to go ahead and build the platform. So in 2018, I worked on the platform and then earlier this year in 2019, I did a pilot and we're actually relaunching, um, January 1st, the full school. All right. So let's dive into this. So the school is coming or relaunching on 2020 for parents who are listening to uh this episode and maybe there may be some uh youth that are listening um what exactly does the school offer 
what am I what am I looking to receive uh, as far as education when it comes to your school, and how does it differ from what's going on in maybe some of the uh, public school offerings? Well, let's start there with the public sure. school offerings. Most public schools don't really have STEM programs. And my target, I'm going at the younger boys because once you get into high school, sometimes it's too late. Right. It's too late to, to have that preparation. So I'm looking at boys starting at 8 to 16 okay. to get them prepared to roll into high school. And so what the public schools don't have is, one, a full-time STEM program. Most that have a STEM program is typically based on an after-school type program, and they're working on coding. Um, and when I looked at that, I was like, yes, coding is great, but that's such a small subset of what STEM is or even what IT is. And then I looked at the type of kids, right? So if I'm a graphic artist, if, that, if I'm an artsy type kid, I may not be in the coding. Right. But... If I'm taking a coding program, I'm, I'm just out. But what they won't tell me is, well, as a graphic designer, you may be more interested in UX design or what that user mm -hmm. experience design or UI design, right? So they don't have all those things where they can put them together. So I'm giving coding. I'm giving mobile app and game development. I'm giving web design. I'm giving cybersecurity I'm giving blockchain technology. I'm giving computer hardware, software. I'm giving basic electronics and any new and emerging technology because I can be fast to the, I can be fast to you market. Have, you have less risk. Right. So I can whip up a six week coding course and say, okay, boys, we're going to take this six week coding course and we're going to take what you build and roll that into your own website. And then we're going to take that website and we're going to create it into a, a, a web mobile app. And then we're going to add Google AdMob to it. And now you have a profitable business. Mm. Right. So I want to take boys from not only IT, but learning the basics and then starting your own small business. And that's another thing that's missing because even if we have the skills, there's still who's going to hire you. And I can take a 12-year-old boy, teach him how to build a website with gaming information that he likes and share it with his friends and actually monetize that. So, you know, what, what's going to influence someone more to really get excited about it than the opportunity to actually make money revenue with it. Where in school, if I'm, if I'm a kid in DC and I witness this a lot, if I'm a kid in DC and I'm hungry and when I go home every day, there may not be food. What do I care about school? Like school is at the low end on the totem pole. So when I go and I speak with kids in, in the DC schools, I'm talking finance. I'm talking, we're going to learn this so we can monetize this so you can earn today. Not a 12-year-old kid, if I'm talking to him about college, that is so far away when you're hungry and starving and you don't know when your next meal is coming to really be focused on, on that goal. Now, what you're saying there, and I think a lot of people from other cultures may not understand it, when you hit a certain age as a young black man, uh, depending on the type of uh, structure that your family's in, you may be asked to provide early on than other other cultures. You may be asked to provide Absolutely. for your family or you know provide for yourself and take care of yourself a lot earlier than someone else. And so what you are saying is, hey, well, here's an opportunity to do, to do that without necessarily turning to the streets. Absolutely. And to me, that's huge because a lot of people aren't talking in that language because a lot of people don't see that as a root problem. They just see, oh, well, you know, he, he shouldn't have to worry about money until he's 18 or 20. But a lot of us, we're trying to get that money, like you said, 12 years old, if not sooner. Right. Yeah, for me personally, personally, I had a paper route 
at 12. I got my first paper route at 12 and I was earning my own money primarily because I played a lot of sports and my mother didn't want to get me a good pair of sneakers. So I was like, you know what? I'm not playing in these shoes that you want to get me from the corner market. I get my own job and I'll support that part. And just with, with people from disadvantaged communities, school and we're still at a point with young black males where it's still not cool to Mm -hmm. be smart you still take heat in the hood for showing an aptitude for books and you know we still need to dispel that myth and i think when i go into schools because i'm i'm hip-hop i'm hip-hop all day i listen to what they listen to i still kind of dress hip hop in in the right social setting. I speak the language they speak and I can also speak the business language. But when I go in, they don't get this, this air that they can't be me. So I kind of have a a good connection with young black males and it's been working. It's been working. And um, now it's just time to take it to the next level and actually with the online school, it gives me it gives me national coverage. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, not tied in. Um, the courses are me giving visual online lessons. Um, all the lessons are recorded so they can go back. There's testing, there's certificates. So when you 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 complete a, a six-week module. You get a certificate that says you're certified in this particular skill. So, you know, it's a, it's able to build on those skills and build on those certificates. And ultimately, I'm trying to partner with other IT okay. companies because the IT game is a certification game today. You don't necessarily need a degree. And it's awesome in the last year, companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook have devalued the degree and they said they're looking for people with skills and talent. So I'm looking to build young boys and teach them to have skill and talent that they can showcase and still have those opportunities in tech where maybe we still not going to get the opportunities to roll into your major universities. And even if you do, you're accumulating so much debt mm-hmm. that it's still a viable option. Yeah, you're, you're solving a lot of root problems all in, in, one, in one swoop. Um, from what I'm, what I'm hearing, if, here's, here's the one thing that I'm, that I'm saying. If I'm a young boy, 8 to 16, is there a way... When I go onto your online course, let's say, you know, somebody's parent listened to this uh, episode and they say, oh, you need to go check, check this out. And they go to check it out. Is there a way to, to see, well, how does this benefit me uh, in the long run? Like, you know, if I'm learning UX or UI, you know, what type of career path will that put me on? Does that, does, does your uh, school, you know, show, show me uh, a pathway of where I'm trying to go? Absolutely. And I, within the school, I also do lectures. And I also, as part of the school, there's a lecture series that will launch in the beginning of the year called the Technology to Manhood Lecture Series. What that's going to do is I'm going to go out and speak with as many Black males that are in the, the different STEM fields and let them talk about what their path was. When did they get into it? How did they make it? So you can see a variety of different Black males and the path they've taken in relationship to how the online school can get you there. Gerald, I want to ask one more time. The audio was cutting up just a little bit. So I want to ask this one more time so we can make sure we get this in. You said that there is going to be a lecture coming in the beginning of 2020. Tell me the name of the lecture and what you hope to accomplish with that. It's called the tech. It's called the Technology to Manhood Lecture Series. And what I do in the Technology to Manhood Lecture Series, I interview other Black men that are in the 
various okay. STEM fields and they actually tell their story from how they got into it. Because most of us that are in STEM, we started really mm-hmm. young. We started really young. So they'll tell their stories. They'll tell what they do. And a lot of it, we're going to talk about the money because when we, I, I wrote a book, <laughs> I wrote a book called Motivate Black Boys, How to Prepare for Careers in STEM. And what the book details is my story. And a lot of my story is about money. And when I go to the schools and I talk to young black males, the first question they ask, well, how much money am I going to make? Right. So we're money motivated. And And that's a lot of it. And we don't talk to them if you're trying to get a kid to to really go in STEM, you start talking about, well, you know, you can get good grades and you can go to college. Well, in his mind, how much money am I going to make? So I went to a, I went and I was speaking to a group and I was talking to him about what I did as an engineer. And the first question they asked, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> right. Now the teacher said to a kid, no, 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 that's not an appropriate question. And I overruled her and I said, that's a very appropriate question because it gives to motivation. So I told the kid, I drive a 535 BMW. And that kid replied, well, I'm going to be an engineer. Just like that. And just like that. Because there is a, when we look at our athletes, our entertainers, and those other high income fields where you know, those guys are flossing on Instagram, flossing on all your social media. This is what Mm -hmm. the kids see. They don't see me. They don't see me. But when I can say to them, well, hey, I can live just like the majority of them as an engineer, then that changes the conversation a little bit. It changes the attention. They perk up a little bit. When I tell them, well, hey, at 26 years old, I had a six-figure income. So what? It changes. Let, let, let's break that Go down. Ahead. Let's ask maybe the multi-billion-dollar question: How much money is in STEM? Uh, it's unlimited in STEM. Um, I was very fortunate. I remember coming through high school, and I thought if I could be an electronics technician and make thirty-five thousand dollars a year, I would be Ooh, excited. Right. Right. Well, at 26 years old, I I moved to D.C. I got a job with a consulting firm. And in three years, I was making $100,000 at 26 wow. years old. And depending on, depending on what your degree is or now just what your skill set is, I always give the um, Edward Snowden analogy. Do you know who Edward yeah. Snowden is? So Edward Snowden, for the people who don't know out there, Edward Snowden was the whistleblower who blew up the government program that they were sniffing and listening to people's cell phones and recording conversations. Edward Snowden did not have a college degree. Edward Snowden did not have a college degree and had a security clearance (laughs) He had a top security clearance in the world, right? He had a top security clearance with no degree, just had some skills that he was probably Mm -hmm. trained in. Now, for us, if you're in STEM, and I work in the federal government space, and I have a a security Mm -hmm. clearance, but if you're in the federal government space, easily as an entry level, you're starting at 80K mm. all the way up to 250 after depending on what your skill set is, right? So we have, we have guys making $200,000 at 35 years old after 10 years experience, depending on what they're in. So I'm, I'm in cybersecurity, which is the big deal right now. So if you're entry-level cybersecurity, coming out of school right now with a certification or maybe your CIS, CISSP, which is Certified Information Security Professional, those people start at 150000 And this might, this might explain why they don't want us to have this information. 
Absolutely. Because it, Absolutely. It, it, the, the starting point <laughs> shifts everything. Where you start can really impact, not always, but it can impact where you finish, especially if you don't have the necessary Absolutely. knowledge uh, to get to that to that next level. Absolutely. And when you're looking at the impact on the income inequality gap for mm. black males, if we're in STEM, then we're definitely making an impact in that gap. We definitely have the opportunity to rebuild our own communities if we have young black males in mass. And when I look at it, when I look at it, I launched a well, website called Empowering empowering the future of black boys.com. Um, and the mission of that is to empower enough black boys so we can rebuild our own communities by attacking that income gap. And if we can attack that, then we can be self-sustained. <laughs> we can be self-sustained because reparations is not coming. Not in your lifetime, not in my lifetime. So it's still a matter of we have to rebuild our own communities. And one of the best ways to do it is having STEM, edu STEM education. And, and when I say STEM, we're talking IT, we're talking architects, we're talking mathematicians, we're talking all the skills that are needed to rebuild communities. So it's, it's definitely um, something that I'm really passionate about. And I really go at it hard and I'm really trying to go at it in a systemic way to really make mass change. Um, I have another program that I'm going to launch in 2020, and it's a counter to Trump's wall. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. Right. So as part of the school, every kid we sign up is going to go on the wall. So for Mission Fulfilled 2030, the goal is to develop a hundred thousand young black males and put them on this wall because they, those, those kids that I'm looking at today in between the eight to 16 range in 10 years, that's going to be our workforce. That's going to be our young workforce. And my goal, if I can reach that goal is to have a hundred thousand young black males in this pipeline that are working towards that, that STEM education and being able to be competitive in the marketplace. I like it. I love that vision. And I want to, I want to support that as much as possible. Uh, so anytime that I hear somebody doing something, I'm going to refer them over to you in the, in the STEM field. Cause I love the vision and what you're trying to accomplish, not just trying to accomplish. I mean, you, you've already done the work. It's all laid out. People just got to pick it up. Absolutely. Now and that's where, no, no, you go, ahead. go ahead, Jay. And I said, and that's what I'm doing a lot right now is working on the marketing and I'm trying to build relationships with other black male achievement organizations that have black males in their system and offering offering the online tech school to them so we can kind of build this in mass mass. And I'm not one to believe that I can do this myself. Like, I know this is a massive effort that's going to take partnerships and strategic alliances. And that's what I'm looking to build. So I'm looking to partner with all these organizations. And I don't want the online tech school to be just me. So I'm also reaching out to other educators and inviting them to the platform and saying, hey, What's your specialty? You can teach it here to our people, to our nice, boys. Nice. I love that. I love that. Now, you also mentioned uh, the nonprofit that you just established. Tell us more about the nonprofit and how it all ties in uh, to this uh, overall vision. So the online tech school, when the online tech school started, I was more so attacking for on a for-profit base, adding this additional service to parents who wanted additional services. And it all started from coaching my son's basketball team when all the parents were like, I would like my son to be interested in what you're doing because I, I helped my son build an app. <laughs> my son built an app and he talked about it and our rest of the boys on the team were using nice. the app. And the parents were like, 
well, hey, I would like my son right. to do that. So then I decided, well, I can't individually work with all these people. So that that kicked off the school faster than I wanted to do it. So then I realized after going to talk to some students in D.C. schools who I realized wouldn't be able to pay the nominal, it's like $30 a month, which is a dollar a day, right? Wouldn't be able to pay that. So then I said, well, I have to be able to give them access and thus launch the, the Mission Fulfilled to be able to, missionfulfilled2030.org to be exact, to be able to cover those people who can't afford that opportunity. And everybody should have this opportunity. I didn't want to be non-inclusive. I want every young Black male who has any type of electric device in their hands, tablet, phone, PC, to be able to have access to this information. So thus I launched the um, Mission Fulfilled nonprofit to be able to partner with different organizations who also have funding to be able to offset the cost to be able to deliver services to everyone. And it also makes it easier to partner with schools. Um, Because when you have the nonprofit, you can go into schools as a nonprofit where on the for-profit side, the process is a lot harder. Like it's typically a bid process, but as a nonprofit, you can go in and just start working with the schools on a nonprofit basis. Now, for the people that are listening to this, we're going to either forward this to somebody who is maybe a principal at a school, or maybe there are uh, educators who are listening to this. How does that partnership look? I know it could change from uh, school to school, organization to organization, but tell us a little bit more about how does a partnership look like working with your online school? So I'm actually working with a couple schools right now to actually figure out how that partnership is going to work. But how I envision it, because I am not in the schools, like I've been working with Eagle Academy out of um, New York City, um, Mr. David Banks, I've been in communications with him, is they have six schools in New York. And what we're looking at doing is figuring out a way, because I'm not in the schools, is giving their boys access to the platform and the certificates that they mm-hmm. receive from the school, being able to submit them to the school oh, for yes. credit. I like that. Right. So and then I'm working with another school, charter school out of Albany. And what he wants developed is he wants his boys to be able to have the course in school. So I'm developing 10 week modules that they can actually take in school and like a study hall setting with right. a monitor. Right. So there's there's various situations that we can set up. And I'm also through the nonprofit. I'm I'm trying to put together a fellowship program where I can have um, black men go into the schools in an after school program and actually work with the boys in the online school and an after school program as well. And that way we can do it nationwide. I can offer a fellowship and actually help young black males that may be in school and working their way through and give them a stipend that help offset their debt and also deliver the information to um, help deliver the information to the young men. I know there's someone out there saying, man, I'm not eight. I'm not 16. (laughs) You know, I'm not in that, in that, that space. Uh, What do you say to someone who may be in their early twenties and they're, they've missed this, you know, this opportunity as far as working in that age group. What do you say to them that, you know, they didn't have it growing up. Now they're interested. What resources uh, are available to them? Um, If I'm, if I'm, say I graduated high school and I'm not going to college and I recognize that I want to be somewhere in that IT space. Recommend that they go out and get a certification in it, right? And I would start off with the basics, like the A plus certification. So the A plus certification is a basic hardware certification, which is basically you under learn the fundamentals of 
what is a computer? How is it built? How does it work? Right. Then I would take that into the networking space and they have a certification called Network Plus. And that teaches you about connections and Wi-Fi and, and how the, the wireless communications work within a computer. If you have those basic, those two basic things, you're in the game. You're in the game at a high level. Um, people who have an A-plus certification and no schooling, you're talking about a fifty dollars to $60,000 salary. So if I'm a young man, now this, this, this certification, there's programs that actually pay for it, but to get in a certification program, to get the certification, typically you, you might need to take a boot camp and a boot camp may cost you $1,200. Right. But that $1,200 is going to elevate you into a $50,000, $60,000 career. And then once you're in somewhere, then you can build on getting more certifications, learning more skills. And they're actually, um, uh, what is the name of this place? It's called the Workforce. Every city has a workforce. Uh, what is it called? It's called WIA, the Work Workforce Employment Act. Okay. Through the Workforce Employment Act, you can get funding to go get skills that are viable in the marketplace. And it's free. It's free and every city has it. So I would suggest you go to the, and I think it's run by the Unemployment Insurance Office, and it's called WEA, W-E-A, the Workforce Employment Act. And through WEA, you can get funding to get certifications. Now, back to the parents that are listening to this, they have their children that are uh, 8 to 16 years old. What do they do? Now, they, they obviously are, you know, ready to work with you. They want to have their children be exposed to this information. Uh, what should they be anticipating for the launch in 2020? And what can they do to get prepared? This is what I would do. And I'm not, I'm terrible at self-promotion. I do not like to self-promote. I just like doing the work. No, that's what I'm here but, for. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> what I would do right. first is I would go to MotivateBlackBoys.com. Okay. At MotivateBlackBoys.com, you can get my book. My book tells the story, and it gives you, the parent, the pathway to guide your kid into a STEM gotcha. career. In this book, it teaches you how to set goals, how to teach your son to set goals. In this book, it has a module on self-discipline. Mm. In this book, it has the five, what I call the five steps to the epiphany. And it's basically five steps to prepare your son. And in the back of the book, I give you 60 free days to the school. Nice. Right? So if you get the book, the book is on Amazon. The book was actually uh, um, in the first week of launch. It was an Amazon bestseller. I never even thought about being an author and in 2019, I became a best-selling author because my story is that right. compelling. Um, so that's where I would start. And then the online tech school, you can get that to gmtsbb.com or the online tech school for black boys, which is short. But if you do a search on online tech school for black boys, I come up and you can register today. And we also, as part of the um, online tech school, we have the Black Boys Read Book Club because we want to get our boys reading more and in reading books that are more geared toward the Black experience. So we're going to be doing books with Black heroines, Black protagonists, Black antagonists about young Black men and about yes. our experience. And through the book club, we have a variety of kids. We I, have kids who are sports kids. We have kids who are. Go ahead. I love the vision. I, yeah, we. I, I love. I yeah. love where. I love what you're you're building and have built, and I love that you're created a, a, a safe place uh, to learn something that is going to benefit them immediately instead of having that you know delayed you know four or five six years from now. Right. It's something that you know you can right. see immediate returns on if not necessarily the money, but just having a skill set that you know you can use for the rest of your life, that's huge. So I thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, what are some uh, closing remarks or some thoughts that you want 
uh, the audience to think about uh, as we move into a new decade and as STEM becomes a, a bigger and bigger uh, area, uh, making more and more uh, revenue for other companies? Firstly, the landscape of education has changed and is okay. changing. Um, I think we have to look at what we're get, what we're not getting in schools. So one, we all know and we all know that the the public education system has not been educating black males appropriately. We know that black males make up one percent or less of educators. So one, your son may not have any black male influences at his school. So the online tech school is a way to have your son visually see and interact with black males in an educational space. To the skill sets that we're going to give are actionable today skills that will have your sons involved and intrigued in self-exploration because the biggest part of it is I don't want boys to just be doing the class. I want them to go out and explore because that's how you become great. So I'm giving them the tools to explore what, what they could potentially do. The variety of the program that I'm offering, it's not just coding. Most places you go, it's just coding, coding this, coding that. That's not it. So we're offering a variety of IT and STEM programming. The, the Technology Demanhood Lecture Series is going to be awesome in showcasing Black males from a variety of cultures, big, small, light, dark, slim, mm-hmm. that, are, that are involved in tech. So it's, it's just a space that is not, definitely not being serviced at this point to the level that it should. We have a lot of disparate um, organizations running programs that I would actually like to partner with because we need to share the information and uh, be able to support in mass, as I, I discussed earlier. So just just in big picture, be a part of something, even if it's not my program. Nice. Now, uh, you, you mentioned the coding thing a couple of times. I want to dive into that just a little bit. Um, I have noticed that there's a lot of coding talk. Code, 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 code. And you're one of the few people that once, you know, once we have a conversation, it's like, well, there's more to it than just code. Why do you think so many people are, are focused only on code and they're not mentioning uh, cybersecurity, blockchain, mobile app development? Why do you think that is? Well, coding is the basis to all software, right? So if you look at software in general, coding is the basis to all software. And it's easy to put something together to code. And it's the, it's the government buzzword. Right. So that's all it is. It's the government buzzword. So it's the cool buzzword. But if you look at it, you can teach cybersecurity to a 10 year old. (laughs) Right. But they look at that as a more advanced topic. But on a low end, every 10 year old has a smartphone and needs to know how to secure it. That's cybersecurity. That's not coding. Right. Um, Blockchain technology. You can explain blockchain blockchain technology to have I explained it to my 11 year old son at the time in 10 minutes and he understood it Uh, but it's just something that's complex that you know they don't want to touch and the buzzword coding is nothing but the buzzword coding is that buzzword if you're saying you're doing coding then you're in the stem game right so so that's just kind of how I see it but having been in the industry for so long, I understand that, you know, coding is not everything. And I'm not a coder. Right. Firstly, I, I started off as a coder and hated it. Like if I still had to code today, I wouldn't be in IT. Right. <laughs> you know, so I understand that there are a variety of, of technologies and people are different. Like having been a manager at this level, people are different and you have to get people into where they fit and coding doesn't fit. You have to think a certain way 
to actually code. You know, the good people that code, like in the Matrix, they can see it. Like when when Neo's looking at the ones mm-hmm. and zeros on the screen, he can see what right. he's coding. I can't do that. Right. But the people who can, they're great. They're coders. 99% of the people in in STEM can't see it like that. So that's why, you know, I, I understand that you have to be more diverse in your offerings. But to, to go back and answer your question in short, coding is just a buzzword. And so we should be looking at the full um, umbrella of STEM. So for those who don't know, we didn't, I didn't get a chance to ask this earlier. What does STEM stand for before we go? Science, technology, engineering, and math. And that really can go into almost anything. Anything. Architects are STEM. Mathematicians are STEM. Um, Doctors are STEM. Lawyers, if you're doing, if you're doing intellectual property, that's STEM. STEM has the opportunity to change everyone's life. And if we only use the buzzword, we may be cutting ourselves short of getting the full knowledge. And so, Gerald A. Moore Sr., thank you for letting us uh, have this conversation with you today about the online uh, tech school for Black boys and your nonprofit. We're very excited of seeing uh, where the future holds for you. And we are going to see if we can get some more strategic partnerships to come your way. And we look forward to working with you. Thank you for coming on the Black Equity Podcast. DJ, I appreciate you having me. This has been an awesome experience. And I've listened to some of your other shows and they're all amazing. And I appreciate the work that you're doing to showcase people like myself so we can make a difference. You're definitely welcome. Thank you so much. What a wonderful episode where we really break down what the true value of a career in STEM truly is. And that's why so many people are trying to stop this from happening. And so we have to support organizations and companies like this one. So go to the show notes, see all the different things that Gerald A. Moore Sr. is working on, and continue supporting the Black Equity Podcast. If you're interested in having your own feature of your company or organization, send us a message over on Instagram at Black Equity Network, and let's sit down and let's have a conversation about how we can feature and showcase your company and your organization to the entire community at large. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. And once again, thank you, Gerald A. Moore Sr., for a wonderful episode filled with wisdom and understanding.